Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Some of the top stories. Bill Handel here in the morning crew. Some of the top stories we're carrying. Uh, L.A. City Council uh, Nuri Martinez and Councilman Kevin DeLeon of Los Angeles. Uh, boy, are they in a little bit of trouble. Uh, caught on a hot mic with utterly racist statements. I mean, disgustingly racist. And uh, that's coming up at uh, 7.50. I'll talk about that. In the meantime, three big new criminal justice laws uh, have been either passed or rejected by um, the legislature and the governor who has to okay the laws, has assigned them into uh, law uh, or veto them or just leave them stranded there, a pocket veto. Okay, so I talked about this one before, and this has to do with uh, 8 million Californians. A lot of people have a past conviction or even an arrest record. Uh, That is a little problematic. Here's what's happening. Current law allows people to permanently seal those records of old misdemeanor uh, convictions and arrests, uh, as well as arrests for nonviolent felonies that did not result in convictions. However, If you've been arrested for a felony, even not charged, it's on your record. And the problem is, if it is on your record, uh, and it's easy to find out what a criminal background check is, uh, just every employer of any size does this, uh, there it is. You're probably going to have a difficult time getting a job, getting housing, because you're going to want to rent. Who, if you're a landlord, are you going to rent to? Someone who's been arrested? For a crime or someone who is clean as a whistle, of course. I mean, so you got housing, you've got employment, you've got school. You want to go to school. They're going to look at the admissions. People are going to go, yeah, it's a problem. So um, current law allows people to seal those records, but you have to go in front of a court to do that. Uh, SB 731 expands that law. It includes felony convictions, except in the case of sex offenses. Uh, And here's the eligibility. A person who's completed a prison sentence for a felony has to go and uh, not have been arrested for four years, can go in front of the court. Okay, that doesn't change. However, you've got 225,000 Californians who have completed their sentences for uh, nonviolent felonies and have stayed out of legal trouble for four years. Their sentences or that record will be automatically sealed. Old condition records are sealed uh, if you, uh, in fact, comply with the four years uh, and uh, meet the requirements of the law. That's a big deal. Uh, Now, even uh, felonies, you're eligible to petition a judge to have the record sealed. For the most part, you can't. And I ask that question, I'm asked that question all the time. I have a felony on my record. Uh, yeah, can I go into court? Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, now it's going to be not difficult. Uh, estimated more than a million people in that category. 
So there you go. Changes the law. You know, which makes sense. Because let's say you've been arrested and uh, convicted, even of a felony. And I get questions like, it happened 25 years ago. And I've been a model citizen ever since. Uh, can I have that sealed? Like, That's not easy, especially if you're talking about a violent crime. Misdemeanors, uh, uh, you could always go to court. All right, then here's one. And uh, this one, it was so unfair. You know, if you were in prison and wanted to make the phone call, you know, the phone, uh, phone's on the wall and everybody stands in line waiting. You know, they were paying 3 $4 a minute for that phone call. And it would always be reverse charges. And that got to be, well, that's burdensome, particularly for f- poor families. I mean, there are stories of families who've gone into debt just getting phone calls from their loved ones from prison. So you've got a new law. Well, first of all, prices have gone down anyway. Uh, Now it can be as low as 2.5 cents per minute uh, for people in the state prison system. But uh, SB 1008, uh, the prison system has to give prisoners free phone calls. You know, prison and jail phone uh, calls are a $1.4 billion industry across the country. I mean, that's pretty impressive in terms of the cost. So that one makes sense. Uh, Here's one we talked about, a new law. Rap lyrics can't be used in criminal proceedings, and they have been used. And this law says, first of all, it's a First Amendment issue. And uh, rap is the freedom of expression. And so the law says you can't bring in rap lyrics. Like, let's say you're accused of uh, uh, violence on a police officer and there's a rap lyric that you uh, beat the police, we hate the police, that sort of thing. Can't bring that in anymore. Unless specifically dealing with the crime at hand. I did this or I was involved or I know about this shooting or this killing or whatever. But in general... Rap lyrics that don't specifically deal with a crime in contention that's being tried now can't be used anymore. Here's one that was rejected. Solitary confinement. This was uh, Gavin Newsom. AB uh, 2632, define and regulate the use of uh, solitary. Uh, First of all, no solitary for any prisoner who's pregnant, male or female. Under 26 or over 59 years of age. And then uh, no more solitary for more than 15 consecutive days or more than 45 days in a 180-day period. Well, here's the problem. And I and Newsom didn't say this, uh, but I'll tell you what makes all the sense. Let's say you have a prisoner who is violent, who is unruly who gets in the way of the prison system. You throw him in solitary. Well, after 15 days, he has to be let loose to go and do it again. And since he can't be more than uh, 45 days in a, in a given uh, six-month period, what do you do when he is, and it's usually a he, so violent that the only way to deal with is solitary? Well, you can't do that anymore. Can't wait to see what the outfall uh, fallout about that. There won't be any fallout. Newsom rejected that, saying, no, it makes no sense. And there are a few other ones uh, that uh, I will share with you at a later time. 
Uh, some of them making a lot of sense, some not. Some California only because we're California. Some were behind the curve in certain states. Now, uh, let's move over to what happened uh, with uh, Hurricane Ian. As you know, uh, once it made landfall in uh, the western, southwestern part of Florida, I mean, the destruction that it caused is uh, apocalyptic. Uh, and here is, uh, it, it, well, not interesting, but here is a, a point to note, is that when it hit, it hit at about the same place that Hurricane Charlie hit several years ago. What happened the first time out when Charlie hit? They rebuilt. Boy, that worked. Because now, gone. Again. Now, we have much the same problem here in California, except instead of hurricanes, uh, we have wildfires. And we have entire towns that have been completely wiped out. Some of them will never be rebuilt, but... And we're talking about small towns, too. Some where the residents say, oh, yeah, we're rebuilding. We're going to bring this town back. And over the next, let's say, 20 years, how high are the chances that that town gets burnt down again? Pretty high. So here comes the question. At some point, uh, do we as a society legally, let's say, town councils, planning uh, departments, just say no more? that we're not going to issue any more permits. And then, of course, there'll be lawsuits, and, uh, gee, we have the right to live where we want, but there are uh, plenty of precedents for a town, uh, a village, a county, to say you're not building there. You, know, you can't build on wetlands, for example. Uh, you can't build uh, areas that are just inherently dangerous because the land won't sustain, the dirt itself won't sustain uh, the kind of, kind of foundations that are needed. And so the argument now goes, uh, do we reach a point where some of these areas simply should not be rebuilt? In hurricane land, uh, it's a little easier to deal with it. As a matter of fact, there's one town, uh, what is the name of it? I saw it on 60 Minutes last night, Babcock Ranch, right in the middle of the, uh, the, the destruction, destruction zone of Ian. And... If you look at that town and the developer uh, was describing it in 60 Minutes, it was untouched. And I mean in the middle of Ian, all around it, it was an island of non-destruction. Power was still there. Water supply was still there. I mean, it looked like nothing happened the day after the hurricane. How? Because the developer was able to build that community. It's a developer who bought thousands of acres of land and built his own community, and he and a bunch of partners. And they made damn sure they're aware hurricanes were coming, everything underground in terms of power, utility lines, et cetera, gas lines, everything buried deeply. Uh, the buildings themselves uh, built to very, very high standards. Uh, that can withstand hurricanes of that magnitude. And you can build that that way, too. I mean, there are ways of, of building that can sustain massive hurricane damage or force. And then uh, wetlands and indigenous plants that hold back uh, winds. Because if you look at the mangrove swamps, 
I mean, they're sort of designed, if you want to call it designed, to hold back surges and to hold back the power of hurricanes. That's the way God invented this, if you're a believer in God. That's the way nature put this together. That's all been gone. Why? Because people are moving in that area because everybody wants waterfront uh, land. And uh, when you talk about the amount of waterfront land that is available in Florida, middle-class people can afford uh, the plots, can afford housing. Well, what happens when a hurricane hits? Uh, of course, you know, the uh, waterfront gets hit. Uh, instantly surges affect waterfronts, except when it comes to Ian. Look what happened. All of Florida, I mean across central Florida, there wasn't a place where Ian hit that uh, was not affected as it went across Florida and then turned left and went up the uh, east coast of the United States. And the power. In this case, uh, Babcock Ranch creates its own power. It's a, a huge solar farm uh, that was built to withstand, I think, 70,000 panels there. I mean, it's acres and acres. Not one panel was uh, destroyed. Not one panel uh, even moved because, again, the building was so careful, and they don't do that. And now Florida is fairly easy to do. Wildfires, not so much, because it really doesn't matter when you have a wildfire of the magnitude uh, that we've had. The campfire, for example, that burnt so ferociously burnt. When a fire gets that big and the winds whip around that high, I mean, nothing survives unless you were to build a concrete bunker. And that becomes absolutely prohibitive. So we've got wildfires. We've done sort of okay in Southern California because we have that lovely San Andreas Fault that runs right under the city. You can see the Palmdale bulge. If you ever go out to Palmdale, you can actually see the bulge of the fault. And when it goes, what's going to happen? Newer houses, well, uh, they're obviously going to have a much better chance. Why? Because the foundations are much stronger. When I built uh, my house, uh, what, 22 years ago, and it was, we thought of earthquakes. Foundations much thicker, much deeper. The tie downs were uh, robust where the house is actually tied down. You know, you can go to older homes. And I had a home that was built in 1927 before the Persian Palace. You know, the home wasn't even tied down to the foundation. Wasn't even, they just didn't tie them down. So what ends up happening with a, a major quake? The home slips off the foundation, even if it is fully intact and all it does is slip off, that home is gone. There's nothing left. You can't do a damn thing about it. You would think the logic of tying them down. So now you have tie downs. And I mean, when you talk about tie downs, the bolts are an inch and a half thick and they're every four feet with these huge straps. And uh, I could go through the, uh, the building process and uh, new codes. And I could do that all day long. Point is, we have made it uh, as structurally sound as we can because of the earthquake. How many homes out there are not? How many old apartment buildings? Remember the home in Reseda? Uh, the apartment building that happened in the quake in 1994 pancaked, just pancaked. I think 30, 40 people died.
So we have the way of doing it. Uh, we can do it. Uh, wildfires, I don't know. Because there, uh, you, if we're rebuilding, everything has to go underground. Nothing can be made of wood. It all has to be concrete. And, uh, you know, sure, live in a concrete bunker. Enjoy yourself. So the question is, uh, are we going to, is society, are, is our legislatures and city councils going to mandate homes that can withstand that? I don't think so. In the case of Babcock Ranch, it took a developer by himself to say, I'm going to make this community earthquake-proof. Didn't take the law. Didn't take the legislature. He did it on his own. So is the law going to catch up? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Now, if you've been to the gas pump, which of course you have, unless you have an all-electric vehicle, uh, you're paying, what, a buck fifty, a buck eighty more than uh, almost any state in the union. And uh, you go, come on, really? I mean, welcome to California. And it's not like we haven't been told this was going to happen. Uh, California officials have repeated warnings over the last two decades because we have this unique blend of gasoline and we are susceptible to supply shortages and we have no refineries. There hasn't been one built in 30 years. That's why we're looking at these price spikes. 20 years ago, they started talking about this. And you've had reports and committees, or we have, still don't have a solution. Because you've had committees, state committees to study it, and they have suggested state committees to uh, study it. So gas prices hit record levels, uh, as we know. Uh, almost half the state's refineries uh, were offline at the same time. Outages uh, because of uh, maintenance issues. Strangely enough, at the same time, they're maintaining, aren't they? Shutting down for maintenance. Uh, according to uh, Severin Bernstein, director of UC Berkeley's Energy Institute, we've got to make longer run plans and not just wait until a crisis is upon us. And that is the problem. It's not as if the state doesn't act. Well, sometimes. For example, uh, the governor uh, started early on our winter blend. Uh, winter blend is cheaper. It is uh, easier to manufacture. We have the summer blend. I think we're the only state in the union that has a summer blend. So our gasoline is unique to California. Our refineries are unique to California. We can't bring in gas from Arizona or Nevada when there's a shortage. Not at all. We have our own uh, blend, which is environmentally friendly and it doesn't pollute as much. Well, it's a cost. It is a real cost. And there are ways around it. Well, according to the experts, of course, there are ways around it. Uh, one of them is simply building new refineries, although uh, I don't know which company wants to build new refineries. Getting, just getting permission and uh, averting the lawsuits, uh, the NIMBY lawsuits. I'm, I am totally in favor of uh, new refineries. Just not in my backyard. Your backyard is fine, and that's the problem. Also, you have uh, these horrific taxes here in California, unlike any other state. We have the summer blend. Uh, now, all of that can be averted to open up more gasoline being sold and bringing the prices down. But then again, you have California, again, the leader in uh, the nation, 
in terms of getting away from fossil fuels. Well, you can't increase the use of fossil fuels to bring down the prices. It's a matter of uh, supply and demand. And at the same time, have a California, uh, California only plan to drastically reduce fossil fuels. What is it uh, the governor said by 2035, there won't be a, um, a con internal combustion uh, car sold in this state? All right. Well, that's only how many years from now? 12 years, something like that. In the meantime, we're selling these internal combustion cars like crazy. Later on, I'm going to talk about EV cars and the experience I had over the weekend looking at uh, electric vehicles, hybrid versus uh, EVs and Looking at a Toyota, for example, uh, stunning, absolutely stunning. What am I talking about? The price. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. By the way, October 31st, I know for most of us is Halloween, but it is the day that the summer blend ends and we go to the winter blend. Woo! So gas prices should drop. Up drastically. Yeah. Like 50 we, cents, right, Hannah? Yeah, no. I know. They're going to drop a nickel. At best. Yeah. And it is uh, just all kinds of reasons. We just do it differently. We do it better. And that's in quotes. Because we're going to get rid of fossil fuels. And does it really matter that you're paying six and a half dollars a gallon for gasoline? Not at all. My car gets 20 miles to the gallon. I can actually see the gas tank. I can see that needle dropping as I drive. Oh, that makes you feel good as you drive along. And uh, six fifty a gallon. I'm buying the cheapest gas you can possibly find out there. Does your car call for premium? It certainly does. And you don't care? Uh, I'm fine with half water with my gasoline. <laughs> with it knocking as you drive <laughs> down the street. Oh, it's miserable, miserable. Locally, another huge story has to do with uh, L.A. City Council President Nuri Martinez and Councilman Kevin DeLeon facing a uh, really big chorus of protests. And uh, the protests include, you guys are out. You have to resign. And this has to do with a meeting that took place a year ago. And it was a, a meeting about redistricting. And there's a lot. It's uh, pretty wonky, but that's not the important part. Uh, the important part is what was said. It was being recorded. No one knew that. And a year later, it leaked. The L.A. Times did a story. And boy, the fallout has not stopped. So what we're going to do is play uh, some of that conversation. Uh, it's going to be, uh, I think, somewhat edited and bleeped. And uh, the racism involved is blatant. Uh, and it is Deep. Uh, so, Tyler, if you'd play some of that, please. For all the, you know, folks like with that's going, he did call me. He wants to have breakfast with me. Um, What's taking him so long? I haven't. I just said, hey, we need to talk. He, you supported him from the. All right, don't worry, I got you. Um, uh, yeah. So, that's you'll start man. seeing him line up. He's with the black. Isaac was a And another one. Isaac can be Whatever the kid's name is, I'm like, it's like the oddest thing. It's like black and brown on this float. And then there's this, this white guy with this little black kid who's misbehaved. Este niño has no, he's, they're not 
The kid is bouncing off the effing wall on the floor, practically tipping it over. There's nothing you can do to control him. Parece changuito. And I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, well, if you didn't hear it uh, very clearly, uh, this is in reference to uh, Mike Bonin appearing on uh, a float uh, in a parade with his son, uh, his adopted son, who happens to be black. Uh, now, Bonin and his husband adopted this kid, and um, according to Martinez, uh, he was acting out on the uh, on, on the float, which is, I understand. I mean, you can complain about that. Uh, but the problem is... Uh, is that uh, she referred to uh, Bonin's son uh, as basically he was an accessory or Bonin was an accessory and described the son as uh, a, let me see if I can pronounce it correct in Spanish, pareche or parece changuito or like a monkey. That's problematic to have a public official, in this case, the president of uh, city council, refer to uh, the young black son of another council person as a um, a little monkey. Okay, as you can imagine. And Martinez also described Bonin at one point as a little bitch. And Martinez uh, mocked uh, the uh, a group of uh, Mexicans and uh, said, F that guy. He's with the blacks, and she was speaking about L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon. Well, uh, you think that became a little problematic? Uh, yeah, that did. So a couple points I want to make. No one's denying that because it's on tape. Uh, I mean, the, the recording was there, and this all came out yesterday. The, the article and the Times published online. Immediately, Martinez issues a statement apologizing saying in uh, a moment of intense frustration and anger, she was frustrated, she was angry, I let the situation get the best of me and I hold myself accountable for that, I'm sorry. Now here's my, well, let me go on uh, and uh, talk about uh, De Leon, the other congressperson, also apologized. Uh, He said the comments of which he was part of were uh, wholly inappropriate and he had fallen short of the expectation we set for our leaders. Really? Uh, like calling uh, the son, the black son of another council person, uh, a little monkey? I would say he's fallen a little short of his leadership, if you would think. says, I, agree, I, I regret appearing to condone and even contribute to certain insensitive comments made about a colleague and his family in private. Uh, I have reached out to those colleagues personally. Gil Cedillo, uh, who was also there, said, I, I don't remember what happened. I don't have a recollection. Really? Uh, I believe that. But here's my question about this. Uh, the call for resignation uh, amongst these council people is growing. I mean, the outrage is growing. And uh, that's no surprise. And the question I have is the statement that's always made or many times being made, in this case it was made by Martinez uh, and De Leon, and that is, I hold myself accountable. The call for resignation, they're not going to resign. Maybe, maybe after, if there's enough pressure there, uh, they might. Uh, When you talk about massive pressure that keeps on growing and growing, 
Okay, maybe. But it's uh, at this point, I can't see a resignation. My question is, what does that mean, holding someone accountable? And I don't even know other than apologizing. But then there's an apology and an apology. You know, there are things that you might be able to say, but there are certain things that there's just, you're not going to get around it. If I were to say something, well, I say things uh, here on uh, the program all the time that are and is generously called questionable. That uh, I've had one or two emails or uh, our program director have had uh, has uh, one or two emails. Uh, okay, maybe three or four. All right, maybe a few dozen daily uh, that say you've got to get rid of handle. All right, well, uh, you know, that's sort of, okay, come on. I understand he's offensive as hell. In a few cases over the years, I had to apologize, or at least the station apologized on my behalf. I get that. But then there are certain things that uh, one just crosses the line, and there's no going back. And I think a lot of people uh, say, and I tend to agree at this point, uh, as a public official in the middle of a public me- well, in not, it was a private meeting. It was a behind closed doors meeting, but an official meeting. And this was a hot mic. So it wasn't on the record, uh, saying that in this case, uh, Mike Bonin's son is a little monkey, uh, and, uh, the kid is black. You know, do you survive that? I don't know the answer. We'll see, uh, we will see how widespread uh, the call for the resignation goes. As of right now, it is growing. And uh, that's quite a story. I wonder if that's national. Is that being reported nationally? Yeah. Uh, okay. I wouldn't, su- it, I wouldn't be surprised at all. All right. Coming up, that um, uh, uh, the Weinstein sex crimes trial, and I've sort of alluded a little bit to uh, the importance and what's going on and how this man, uh, is scary, might actually just walk. Uh, you think there'd be a few people upset about that, but there are a lot of moving pieces here, legal as well as social, as well as just what's going on that I want to share with you. This is KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.